the way that I listen to music obviously has changed because you hear things differently. You know the tricks. You're like, oh, I know, like the minor chord there. It's like, oh, they're substituting that, and I like evoke something, things like that, which all, all the little things that you kind of go through. But ultimately, I think that the the feeling and whatever it is that you put in any whatever medium it is, when the magic's there, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how much time has passed, how much you've how much you've learned about it, how much different experiences you have. It's either magic or it's not magic. But can it be magic every day? I mean, some days you must just go in and it must must feel like a job. It feels like a routine, you know. It definitely feels like I definitely have a routine in songwriting and being creative. And I feel like I've definitely worked hard to to keep that muscle sharp because that's my tool for even just experiencing the world. If I don't sharpen that, it starts to have a mind of its own. All of a sudden, like I'm driving down the street and like things that things start to take odd shapes and I have no control of it. So I just decide to like, let's focus this in a certain direction. You feel that life has started to filter through songwriting for you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cyclical in that sense, you know? I mean, I've, I've been doing it for so long and we've kind of cohabitated together for long enough to where it's, it just has become, become the thing where we're dependent on each other. Is it conscious though? Are you walking down the street and you see things that you feel like would inform a good song uh sometimes yeah Yeah. i mean a lot of times yeah a lot of times you know i hear a phrase or something like that and then i sometimes i'll write it down i got i have a notepad in my back pocket that you can't see but i'm reaching into my back pocket right now lifting myself out of this rolling chair oh it's like a field notes it looks yeah this is like a little field note sort of thing sometimes i just do there's a little there's a little drawing it's a long face it's a little long face drawing. Why the long face? I know, huh? <laughs> I think I had to fill the whole page. Yeah. Uh, so this is just sort of absent-minded. Some of it is. Some of it's like uh, I don't even know what some of the stuff. I'll write, you know, just write it down in in the moment. And other times it's more strategic. Like I'll create a task for myself. So this one says, "Copy short work of literature. Do the same with a record. I have done this before, and I believe it is a good time once a month. One record and one novel. What will it be? Basically, like." You know, sort of um, when you do... It's a writing exercise. Yeah, a writing exercise, yeah. So, like, when you, like, are inspired by something and you you give yourself these little tasks, I was like, that's sort of the... I don't know what that was. What did that mean? What did that mean? I don't know what it means. I think it meant, like, (laughs) like, like... like uh, it was like my tool for like for that for like a period of time or something. But it, I think it was more just like verbatim write down like a, sh- a short story oh, or something or like learn a whole record start to finish. So then you you get it, you learn it, and then unconsciously it's in there, and then you kind of have the feel of that. It's an interesting experiment though because you want to be informed by other things, but obviously you don't want to crib them too closely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. For some reason, this seems to particularly be a thing in in the comedy world, but you know, stand up comedians who won't go see other comics for yeah, fear yeah, that they will yeah, subconsciously yeah. lift things. Yeah, that's true. You know, obviously, I know Neil Young has talked about that as yeah. well. I've heard him say that. I think that is that is true, but I'm a big folk music fan to begin sure. with, and so I also know that, like, varying degrees of that are also how, like, I think it's part of part of the culture of what music is on, like, a social level. You know, songs sort of evolve and these sort of things happen. So I don't think that that's uh, necessarily true. I think you just have to be like maybe somewhat decisive on what you want to put into your system, you know, because obviously it's like if you never heard music, then you would have really, you know, I mean, if you then you'd have nothing to like base it upon and you could make really abstract music. And but 
by default, like growing up, I've listened to so many records, you know, and I feel like I'll be in a cab, I'll be in a restaurant and I hear stuff. So when you sit down to to write something or when you want to do something, it's nice to know like, okay, well, you know, choosing to put those certain things into your brain, whether whatever they be. And I do listen to a lot of old folk music for that reason. And you hear like a lot of the old folk players do like, uh, you know, like 17 different versions of something or a song cycle of like how the Lonesome Rake or something went through like 30 different incarnations and it like bridged like country music, it bridged blues music, it bridged jazz music, and it went to all these different things. It went to Britain, it came across back to America. The song cycle is really like important to my songwriting and I think that's not something to shun. My understanding is there wasn't the same idea of ownership of music that there is now. You know, yeah. just playing everyone else's songs. Obviously, now if you lean too heavily on another song, that's that's where you get into trouble. And you know, if somebody like George Harrison can lose a lawsuit for accidentally oh, yeah, turning yeah, yeah. "My Sweet Lord" off of somebody, yeah, like yeah, anybody yeah. can fall into that trap. Yeah, I think that's all part of it, though. I think all that stuff is like. Music is music, and I think that all that stuff happens. And it's Where you're at right now with regards to your songwriting, and obviously this is something that you've thought about because you have that sitting in your notebook. If you were to tomorrow sit down with an album, learn it back to front, and sort of use that as a launching pad for songwriting, do you have any idea what it might be? It would. Well, I've done it before with like Nick Drake records mm-hmm. and things like that. His first one, Five Leaves Left. His first and last were a little more minimalist too so it's sort of easier i think yeah. versus you know prior later but just sort of sit down and pick it apart and really kind of figure out the elements yeah yeah i mean well the last is more was a lot more yeah. minimal the last was i think him just sort of you know sitting against a wall basically yeah yeah i think they put a microphone up in front of him and it was actually kind of like difficult actually yeah. for him for i've heard that it, from what i've read and things it's difficult for him to to like actually get through them. Whereas it's difficult like, for him to make eye contact with people towards the end. That's how deep he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I do know that he was uh, having a hard time at the end. But the first record is uh, Five Leaves Left. I've learned that one. And I, I like a lot of the British folk music, whether it's Burt Yanch, John Renburn, and their band Pentangle, Fairport Convention, or Richard Thompson, or any of those bands from that era. I think I like that stuff because I studied I've like on my own studied a lot of like Appalachian music and where that comes from British ballads and um it it kind of ingrained itself into uh like what became American and Americana music and stuff. A lot of the droning music which from Eastern music and also the, the bagpipe music and then modal music and then how that is like infused itself with the blues and then and then how it all kind of mingles with the Western music and comes into the to to popular music you know when you love music you like all that stuff how much do you think really being a scholar of that music has informed your writing a lot of it has i mean it's just more of a passion listening to those records and just listening to music and wanting to know like how those sounds are made i never really had a chance to spread my wings on a lot of stuff that i had studied and learned but then when i did a soundtrack for orange sunshine i was able to kind of go into that and kind of take myself out of the equation instead of being like the front you know being singer songwriter guy like okay this is a i'm here delivering the song and the story and these kind of things and so i was able to step back and be like outside of it and let the the film run it be the front person and i was able to 
make pieces that were a lot longer and have more movements to them and things. When it came time to uh, make this record, I was able to uh, apply that feeling to it with uh, even cinematically have those sort of larger a larger picture in mind. You do want to sort of avoid the trap of being white guy co-opting, you know, the music of other cultures. It can get kind of problematic. Just being concerned about like actually doing that music from another culture justice. justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't think of myself as like being like a like a preservation act for yep. any of these things. I also think that part of what when I make music and and if I am like drawing inspiration from things from other eras and other parts of the world it's more just like i think that's how music evolves and things and especially now we have our everyone has so much music from any time in any history in any place is graspable and i think that's really relevant to like what the evolution of music will become and can be and i think that cer certain cultures are like this cultural areas and music is like dissolving for that reason and i also think that new music is being born from it and is it something that i think that is it something that we can that like we can help or we can actually sustain or like we should try to preserve that stuff i think all that stuff yeah but i'm just like living and, and making music and like loving that and like absorbing it as just a, as a life experience as somebody who spent so much time um finding these things that you love and, and going back and, and tracing them and figuring out the cultural and, uh, and other contexts for that music creation it, it it is interesting now to see what happens and to find out whether it's it's you know for the better that we're losing context a lot of people the way people are listening to music are, are losing a certain amount of context when you can 100%. go to yeah when you can go to spotify and it will just randomly yeah. choose things for you i think there's always going to be that element the music nerds of us out there who are going to do their due diligence and find out all that contextual information but i wonder if the loss of context ultimately is going to be a good or bad thing for music i don't know yeah i do think about that but i also know that like when i experienced music as a young person and when i was really like inspired by it before i knew where it came from these different things it was like I don't think that like the really like hard to find like music that is native to different areas and like really cultural and like regional specific stuff was that accessible. I had to like seek that out. For me, it was just like, oh, I heard stuff that was on the radio. And then I also had a couple records. And then you really have to want to seek that stuff out. The people that clued me into that stuff gave me the tools to like seek it out further. And so when, if I were to say, you know, the people that discovered for that reason or the sounds, even like I didn't know, I was just like, sometimes I'd hear a sound, I didn't know what it was. So I'd have to go through like, you know, 200 records to find out like what it was. And that was like part of the journey. And that was like, that's the fun of it. It's not just music from other countries, but also punk music, hunting down a, a single that you can't find anywhere else. You, yeah. know? you feel like you had to do some amount of work to find that at, at oh, a record yeah. store. Oh, yeah. And then when you found it, you felt like there was some like divine, like it was like something like within the universe that like brought you to it. When and you by the time you got it, it, you were already bringing all that information. Oh, to my it. gosh. Yeah, no, I know. There's a lot of that. Well, you yeah. And you like do the research. I mean, there there's still I specifically sometimes won't, you know, if there's a book or something or something like that, like I won't order it over the Internet. I'll yeah. like seek it out like I, i've gone to certain places and been like requested it and i'll go back months and months later like no we don't have it, we don't have it and i want it that much more and then i start piecing together like once you plant that seed like uh, other things start to surface you yeah. know almost like the unconscious thing with inside of you it feels like you're tapping into the ether it's that thing of once you hear a word 
you hear it all the time. Yeah. Like once you know what it means, it starts popping up everywhere. Totally. But not, not necessarily though. You know, there are certain things where like I did have a conversation with a friend like that once I was, I was at a museum and I saw some of William Blake's painting, you know, his drawings and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, I haven't seen these ever before in person. He's like, it's just one of those things when you want to, when you want to find it, it'll start popping up everywhere. And I was like, no, these things, they're not ever, this one isn't everywhere. I like, it's like, this has been in the back for a, for a long time. And now I've actually finally got to see it in person. And when you do, then you feel real lucky, you know? And so, uh, sometimes that happens. And I think that, uh, when you see the, the origin of it, that's the special thing. But in culture, like in everyday life, yeah, you see the remnants of it, those things. But when you actually get to the source, that's the real, that's the real stuff right there. I'm just worried that my music listening is almost becoming like what happens if you're on a, a site like Tinder for a while. I think really without exception, all of my favorite albums of all time are ones that I had to listen to multiple times to really get into. Yeah, yeah. And when you're on a Spotify or another music service, um, it's a lot easier to give up on something. Yeah. There's just so much of it that it's easy to just move on to the next thing. I I know what you mean. It's ghosting, but for albums. Yeah, I think that that definitely happens. Um, yeah, uh, who, I, I can't I can't say. I mean, I... I I definitely, I definitely make an, an effort to like, to, to sit down and, and listen to things as a whole. But that's, I think that's probably why, you know, live music is so important because you can go down and really like see someone deliver in person and you know whether they, they're holding something that, that you relate to or not. You know, like when you watch the like old gray whistle test or something like that, you see a bunch of bands yeah. go through there and you're just like, they're possessed. And then you see the next person, you're like, well, they're not possessed that day or something like that. I remember the first time I went to South by Southwest and I was walking down that main drag was at 8th Street, I think, in Austin. You know, I would walk past these bars and restaurants and there would be four floors of bands playing at the same time. And in some sense, it's a wonderful experience, right? You know, you're just surrounded by all this music. And there's but there's also something a little depressing or disheartening about it, that every single one of these bands they're they're all playing their heart out yeah. a lot of them are sort of like hoping to get discovered yeah. and they're just sort of going through the ringer and as somebody who's a guy with a guitar well i'll tell you what man i actually i had the same thought but on the opposite end of the spectrum just it was was it last night i was uh i was at there was like i was in philadelphia there was a little radio convention that was mm-hmm. going on and i went there and, and there was bands playing and this guy william prince played i found out afterwards that he's from winnipeg and i watched him play and he sang his songs and there was a room full of people there at the world cafe there it was like at that spot and i thought to myself i don't know how old he was you know or is i ended up talking with him afterwards but i stand there thinking he's good and i liked his songs i liked his voice and i thought to myself not only is like is he up there and he's taking me to this other place but think about all the things that like how did he just get here? You know, it's like sort of a phenomenon that that person was up there doing the thing. And I was able to think, well, I was just like, I mean, this guy just, you know, I think in order to really like to do it for real, you have to just live it. You got to live and breathe it. And if you don't do that, and I don't think that it's, that it's worthwhile. You just have to you live. You feel it. like it's easy to sort of to spot authenticity. I don't know. I just know that like, I just thought to myself, this person up there, I was like, that guy lives it. And I believed it. And I just thought to myself, it's, it's wild seeing him up there and I believe it. And I, who knows where he comes from, but he's like taking me there. Come to find out he's from Winnipeg. Mm. You know, he's got his, he's got his songs and, uh, there's a bunch of people there listening to him. And, and it's a, it's a wild thing. I think you just have to like, I've, I've met a lot of great songwriters and musicians and stuff like that. I think you just have to, uh, 
live it and everyone lives it in different ways you know and and that's the that's the magic of uh of this life but we're all here you know we all like we all we all were born into this life and it's like well we got to do something with it and you got to make the most of it and so when you see someone up there but like all of a sudden you think how'd you get there you got to try to get there he tried you know singing his heart out and sat down i can't imagine you think about when i see a guy up there singing I'm like how many hours does he sit in his room sitting there like working on these songs and crafting them and and then he gets up there and sings in front of these people what do you mean by living it to sing them you have to like you have to be them you know you have to be inside yeah. of it you have to be inside the songs all the time i think songwriting or art is like an obsession when i see that in someone i i believe it whether they're successful or not it doesn't matter you can tell whether they're obsessed with it and if they're obsessed with it then they got something obsession meaning that it's something that you couldn't not do yeah I mean, it sounds like you've got a pretty i don't want to say strict but certainly relative to other musicians uh you've you know created these structures for yourself you've created time that you have to write you've created writing exercises well those are just to tap into something beyond yourself in order to, to tell the uh tales we exist on this one plane you know to get to the other level it's like meditations in order to get yeah. in that zone so that's all that is it's like however you want to look at it hear that the story about satisfaction mm -hmm. where keith richards like yeah. wakes up and he's got the riff uh -huh. satisfaction i think like recorded on his bedside or something like that yeah these ideas of like the muse and these ideas of really sort of channeling something otherworldly when it doesn't come that freely you know do you feel like you have to force it sometimes i definitely i'm like trying to evoke the muse provoke the muse you know many times i'm like yeah just like oh what does this look like to you over here do you want to come D dangle something in front of i the dangle muse? things in front of it all the time you know you know you can say things that are really like wordy and deep and get into like you can you can be a very like analytical writer and you can also but you can also say things that are very simple and i don't think that there's like there's no dividing line between the two when you actually tap into the source and i think that that i don't know i don't know what that is necessarily but i know that when when you do it it works it does come from that like very other other place you know and it is it is true it's a real place you know i mean that's like where all all the great art comes from and then i do think it comes from sitting back and like i think that you do have to sit back and think about things and you have to think about things for like maybe months on end or something and so from my experience when i went in to make this record i wrote like five different eps that were all like i was trying to really like strengthen that muscle into like and also cleansing the palate in a way I was like, okay, I'm going to do these and trying to make something that was like each one had its own like a definitive place where they lived. And then at the end of that, I knew I wanted to make a record that was, I'm bringing it back to Santa Rosa Fangs now, the record that I did. But like, I knew that I wanted to make a uh, a piece that was a, had that strong of a concept behind it or direction in order for like where the songs would be living together. As far as having an idea for that broader concept when you actually sit down to write the songs or figuring out what the through line is? Both. Yeah, both. I think the through line kind of comes together like when when something sort of starts to manifest itself, you know. I think the EPs were like more just like strengthening the idea. Those I kind of was able to to sort of put things aside and then be able to look at something larger and knowing yeah. knowing that like it's sort of like if you do that enough the lot like the bigger picture will 
take shape. As somebody who's from Northern California originally. You're from Northern California? I'm from the East Bay, yeah, oh, yeah. originally. So I, cool, I, I cool. know Santa Rosa. Is a place just evocative of a feeling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's more just the, the, the sound of it and like actually just California being associated with all of the saints, you know. So you have like San Francisco, Santa Rosa, San Diego, all those things up and down the coast. And so I felt like Santa Rosa, when I was young, my mother had a rose garden in her front yard. And so the, those, uh, I would always go out there and either prick myself or I or I'd smell them and but she would always trim them and there was always something there were always there was like four of them you know in our front yard there it wasn't a very big yard but we did have there were four rose rose plants there I beg your pardon I never promised you a rose garden the rose has always been kind of in there the roses are almost catholic right you've got the well uh, they are yeah, yeah, yeah. that thorny crown yeah thorny crown. I was raised catholic too I went to catholic school as a kid growing up and like for many years. So I think all of that sort of like was ingrained in my youth. But going up and, and down California and all those cities are there. And so these memories that sort of, you know, stick themselves into you. Yeah, there is something very, very much like that in there. Yeah, that's that's where that's where it comes from. Probably why I like all the harmonies too. I started singing when I was like in in the church when I was a kid and so they're all just kind of these sort of chanting with the reverb in the in the church there so. what is a day like for you as far as again sort of giving these these constraints or you know or the or these like homework assignments like how much time are you spending writing and does it feel like a day lost if you don't get a certain percentage of a song or or do Sometimes, a certain amount yeah. of writing out of it it feels like well if, if i don't if i spend a day not doing it yeah then it feels like a year goes by uh, like, oh man you feel guilty oh I, <laughs> yeah that's where the catholic guilt comes back in yeah <laughs> no I, I get the same thing too it's I, i've always been really bad at, at taking vacations but i think that's you have to do that that's something i learned when i was a kid in skateboarding like i would like because that's what taught me a lot of discipline was like i gotta go out every day and skateboard and i saw the benefits of school i was like whatever you get like good grades good bad grades i don't care about that it's like you're gonna like i'll pass and make it work however i need to but skateboarding was like i could like see the like benefits of it I'm like i'm gonna learn this do that and i go out there when i get like no, the accomplishments that i got from it validated the moment i did that trick and there's nothing like that can stop you except the only time you put into it and physically whether you do it or not and mentally if you can get yourself to actually st- stick it in it, yeah all that stuff and so i think that taught me like discipline in doing it and then when i got away from that then i went more once i had broken my leg and then i started writing music i was around 19 years old and then i got more introspective with the ideas and then i transferred those same ideas into to songwriting one thing that i realized though was that the kids like sometimes i would do it every day and i would just not stop and now i i I tell myself that i have to take breaks from it because like some of the greatest things come from when you actually just like take breaks from it otherwise you like get so so into it that you just like really you know you can't see the forest for the trees kind of those kind of simple things like that one of the many differences between writing a song and skateboarding is, you know, it's it's clear once you've stuck the landing. It's true. Yeah, it is true. But then there's also, like, there's a lot that goes into it, though, whether you, like, when you stick the landing or not. I mean, it depends on what kind of ground you're riding away on. You, know, you not only know if it's successful, but that particular trick is over. It's much harder to let go of a song. That's true. That is true. But that's why you would videotape it when you're skateboarding. <laughs> Then you just have it there. You're like, see that? There it is. But it is true. Well, also, it's harder to let go of a song. And also, yeah, well, songs evolve, too. You know, you write it, and then it's there in space, and then it takes on different meanings throughout the course of your life and and other lifetimes and things like that that I've only experienced from one perspective from songwriters who who lived generations before me and I've gotten to have emotional experience to their songs and also writing songs in my lifetime and seeing throughout 
periods in my life when they've actually changed meaning and and the people who they're originally intended for they they morph and things and it's easy when you're really rigorous and studious about something to become a perfectionist with it and you you, you can't really do that as a songwriter. I mean, at a certain point, the song has to be finished, and you have to move on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you gotta let it, you gotta let it go. Have you gotten better about that? Of course, yeah, yeah. I think that I've gotten better at just letting the songs letting the songs be. But I actually, I, th- I think that's why I've actually put out so many records because it's like I knew in the beginning that you just gotta do it and put it out, and you're gonna like at the time you're gonna you'll have your feelings about it. And then you'll really know when, later on whether you like it or not. And there are certain songs that I've put out where I'll be like, I love that song, hate that song, I love that song. And then it flips, you know, a couple years go by, I'll be like, oh, I love that other song and I hate that song. And I, and I, hate is a really strong word. Yeah. But are there ones that you really just really can't stand? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I think it's just, I go back and forth and flip flop. There are times when I love them and times when I don't like them. It probably, it's, it all has to do with, with, cir- with different circumstances. And there are people, I just definitely know that you can't ever, like, you'll never progress unless you, you have that perspective or like looking back on your songs like that because you'll, you just will always, you'll never be able to grow as an artist or songwriter unless in any, in, or as a human unless you actually are able to just put it out there and then move on. So you started writing at 19? Yeah. How many albums has it been since then? Uh this is my like fifth record officially fifth as a Matt Costa record. Fifth LP and then there was a I guess it would be the sixth LP because it, in between there was Orange Sunshine yeah. which is a soundtrack. soundtrack. Does songwriting get easier over time? I don't think it gets easier. I think it stays it's about, you know, I definitely have more like tools, you know what I mean, but it's like the thing you're trying to achieve is sort of like isn't too you know it doesn't matter like how like good of a musician you are to write a good song i don't think so by default like all these things you know you like get better at playing the guitar you get but i don't know necessarily like, that sometimes can hurt a song you know you're like oh i'm really good at doing this thing but does that make it does that make it a good song i don't think so i think sonically sometimes yeah you can like you know i think certain times i've been able to have like the sonic tools to like for a song but like so I'll dress up a song maybe that like isn't a good song. I'll be like, well, that doesn't really work. Or I'll have a song that'd be like actually, you know, doesn't have all those tricks to it, but I think it's a good song. And so sometimes those things link up and then other times they don't. And when they link up perfectly, I think that's when it's really special because, those, you know, you, you strengthen different sides of it. But no, I don't think that there's like you need to have any of those things to make a good song. I, I, I think actually too it's like eliminating a lot of those things is what makes a, the better songs when you just strip back all of that try to strip back as much as the mess as possible because you can throw a bunch you can throw a bunch of instruments or whatever you want and i love doing that it's really fun you know it's that's another part of the process too you can throw a bunch of things on a track and then just go through and just strip things out you know and that's and then you have like that's a tool for coming up with a certain type of song there you go. That was Matt Costa. His new record, Santa Rosa Fangs, is out now. He is also on tour in October and November, so definitely check him out. Thanks, Dan, for taking the time. Thanks to Samantha and Joe at Saxco for helping set up that conversation. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes or Google Podcasts, or we're on Spotify now. Like us on Facebook. If you have any feedback, it's rolcast at gmail.com. 
Um, follow us on Tumblr. That's rlcast.tumblr.com. And I think that's about it for this week. So stick around because we're going to be back in a number of days with another episode of RIYL.